Hey folks, I'm Elijah Ford, attorney at law and managing partner at Atlas Law, and I'm bringing you All You Gotta Do Is, your resource for navigating life's little legal mysteries. Stay tuned and let's make the system make sense. If you're like me, you probably know someone who's getting some type of Social Security benefit. According to the Social Security Administration, at least one in seven Americans is getting some type of Social Security benefit. So let's let's talk about it. Let's let's break down Social Security today. Let's first start with a little history lesson, folks. Let's take them to school. We can uh, trace our modern American social security system, like most things in this country, back to England, and specifically the English Poor Law of 1601. This, uh, This law provided for taxation to fund relief activities, and it distinguished between deserving poor and the undeserving poor. And most of the relief um, was local and community controlled. So that English poor law followed the pilgrims across the ocean and into the new world. And they set up um, something similar here. And it was, you know, based on local taxation to support the destitute. And, of course, they, they once again... Uh, discriminated between the worthy and unworthy poor. And uh, it, you know, it was all up to the local elders of whatever town the person happened to find themselves in. And then the, the, those laws progressed over time. And then we had the Revolutionary War. And actually one of, uh, one of those Revolutionary War figures, some of you may remember from history class, uh, Thomas Paine, He published a pamphlet in 1795 calling for the establishment of a public system of economic security for the new nation. And this was a very controversial idea at the time. Uh, The pamphlet was entitled Agrarian Justice, and it called for the creation of a system um, whereby those inheriting property would pay a 10% uh, inheritance tax to create a special fund out of which a one-time stipend of 15 pounds sterling would be paid to each citizen upon attaining the age of 21 to give them a start in life. Wow, if if only. Um, And an annual benefit of 10 pounds sterling to be paid to everyone age 50 and older to guard against poverty in old age. So today... That ten pounds sterling, and uh, it would be about one thousand seven hundred ninety-four dollars and thirty-eight cents in uh, today's dollars. In case anyone is interested, so fast forward from the Revolutionary War to the Civil War. So, as um, I'm sure you can imagine, following the Civil War, there were just thousands of widows and orphans and disabled veterans roaming the land from from the north and the south. Um, In fact, uh, 
following the Civil War, a much higher proportion of the population was disabled or survivors of um, deceased breadwinners than any other time in American history. And that's, of course, because everyone who fought on both sides of the war was an American. <clears throat> Hopefully, we will never live to see those times again. So due to the large amounts of people in you know, just serious financial need, uh, this led to the development of generous, well, generous for the time, pension programs. Um, it was the creation of the Civil War pensions uh, that really was the foundation of full-fledged pension systems that we have today. So the Civil War program provided for the, um, the disabled veterans and the widows and orphans. And in fact, here's, here's a fun fact that I found as I was researching this. The last Civil War pension was given out in 1999, friends. Apparently, those Civil War pensions um, were so, uh, so, so sought after that a lot of these Civil War veterans were getting themselves young brides <laughs> who I'm sure, aside from marrying for love, were also interested in that pension. So there you have it, folks. The last Civil War um, widow died in, or, or at least stopped receiving their pension in 1999. So from the Civil War pension, then we get the company pension. And one of the first formal company pensions we have um, is dated back to 1882, um, the, the Dolge Company, and they built pianos. And Mr. Dolge withheld 1% of each worker's pay and placed it in a pension fund. Um, it was a great idea. It didn't quite work out, though, in the end, because the, um, the worker had to basically stay with the company for the entirety of their career and, you know, people change jobs and, and whatnot. So there weren't actually that many people that were able to take advantage of this company pension. And then also when the company went bust, the pensions also disappeared with the company. Um, but it was, it was a good idea and certainly a step in the right direction. So, from the Pilgrims and the Revolutionary War and the Civil War and up through Mr. Dolge and his piano company, America is changing. There are four major factors, um, major stressors that are happening at this time that really push America over the edge to developing a federal, uh, that is a nationwide social security system. The first is the Industrial Revolution. So people were moving um, primarily from being self-employed and being um, agricultural or small business owners, craftsmen, and the, the factories started taking over and people started moving from the rural areas into places where the factories were because that's where the jobs were. Uh, so things are becoming more mechanized, more factories, then people are moving from rural areas and creating and expanding urban areas. 
And in fact, the the year 1920 is often um, pointed to as the historical tipping point. So in that year, for the first time in the nation's history, more people were living in cities than on farms. And that 1920 year, and we know, we know what's going to happen just nine years later, but we're going to get to that soon. So we have the Industrial Revolution, and then that's causing um, the urbanization of America. And then with that, we have the disappearance of the extended family. So this trend toward urbanization often took the form of younger people in the family going off to the cities to work in these factories and these industries, leaving their parents and their aunts and uncles and older relatives at home, largely to fend for themselves. Um, and then and then that, that's that fracturing of the extended family only continued through the modern age to the point where now the nuclear family uh, is is the norm, at least in the I'm, I'm, I'm not speaking worldwide. I'm really just talking about America at this time. So we have the, the breaking up of the extended family. And then the last factor here is the increase in life expectancy. So we can thank that, uh, give thanks to the to better health care and sanitation and the development of um, public health programs and vaccinations and such. Uh, with that, Americans began to live longer. So in just three short decades from 1900 to 1930, the average lifespan increased by 10 years. So we have an aging population, a population that is living longer than previously on top of all those other changes that we talked about. So those four factors really led to the perfect storm. And then in the middle of that, what do we have here? We have the Great Depression of the 1930s. Um, and another fun fact, that that Great Depression of the 1930s was actually the third depression of the modern era. The first two being in 1840s, in the 1840s and the 1890s. But certainly the Great Depression of the, the 1930s, when people say the Great Depression, that is often the one that they are most likely talking about. So... Uh, in, the, in the waning months of 1929, the stock market value lost 40% of its value. That's uh, about $26 billion, with a B of wealth that just poof, up and disappeared. Great corporations suffered. Um, like those big, those big giants like General Electric and, and those types of companies lost, um, lost big as well as, you know, individual investors. Uh, so from that, America slipped into an economic depression, unemployment exceeding 25 percent, at least 10,000 banks failed across the country. The 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 G the gross uh, national product declined from about 105 billion, again B 
with a, as a as boy, B as in boy, billion in 1920 to only about 55 billion in 1932. So that's just about losing half by half in just three years. So as you can imagine, if these big companies and, and the nation as a whole is being hit, you have to imagine that individuals are getting hit even harder. So as the depression grew, there are about three general approaches that established. The do-nothing response, and that was a lot of politicians were like, hey, the fundamentals of the economy are sound. Don't interfere. I feel like those voices still echo throughout history, right? Um, and then the, the second set of voices, um, President Hoover's volunteerism, you know, all, all we need is for Americans to roll up their sleeves and really help each other, and then we'll, we'll, dig, we'll dig ourselves out of this hole. Um, and then there were those that were like, no, we actually need to expand the welfare that is available. So all these factions are warring amongst each other. People are standing on bread lines. It is a terrible time. And then enter President Roosevelt. Um, and then he passed in 1935 the uh, first Social Security Act. And here's a little quote from President Roosevelt upon signing the Social Security Act. We can never insure 100% of the population against 100% of the hazards and vicissitudes of life, but we have tried to frame a law which will give some measure of protection to the average citizen and to his family against the loss of job and against poverty-ridden old age. So... Again, the, the road to hell is paved with the best of intentions. So this Social Security Act was, was signed right smack dab in the middle of one of America's greatest um, economic crises in an effort to, to kind of keep the calm and, and save what was left of America's tattered, you know, economic landscape. So the, the program has grown over the years to the point that now, like I said at the, the top of this show, one in seven Americans receives some type of Social Security benefit. And that original Social Security um, retirement benefit has expanded to now different types of social security. So we have the uh, uh, social security retirement, social security disability, social security supplemental income, and um, survivor's benefits. So now let's, let's make it make sense. So first, um, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about the history of Social Security, and I did mention Social Security retirement. So let's start with that first. Um, when you've reached the age of 62 or greater and have earned at least 40 Social Security credit, credits, 
you are entitled to start drawing your social security. Now, it's important to note that if you do take your retirement at age 62, your benefits will be somewhat reduced um, compared to what you would receive at um, full retirement. And full retirement is between uh, age 66 and 67, depending on your year of birth. And I mentioned Social Security credits, and those are basically the the building blocks, if you will, that Social Security uses to determine whether you've worked long enough to qualify um, for whichever type of Social Security benefit you you're, you're trying to secure for yourself. Um, and if you stop working before you have enough credits to, to qualify for benefits, um, your, your credits will stay on the record. They don't disappear. And we'll, we can talk more about Social Security credits later. Uh, so that was Social Security retirement. The other type of Social Security benefit available is Social Security Disability, or SSDI. So when you have a disability and enough credits from prior work, um, and that's typically you must have worked um, approximately half of the time from the age of 21 to the time of your disability, then you know you you would be entitled to social security disability. But then we'll we'll talk a little bit more about what disability means within this context. But right now we're just talking um, generally about the types of of benefits that are available. So there's social security disability. There's also social security supplemental income. And then there are um, survivor's benefits. So now let's talk a little bit about the disability in social security disability. So for something to be considered a disability um, for for Social Security, it has to be uh, a physical or mental condition that significantly limits your ability to do basic work-related activities, such as lifting, standing, sitting, walking, or remembering for at least 12 months. Certain conditions are considered, quote, compassionate allowance conditions, and these would include certain types of cancers, heart diseases, childhood diseases, and um, neurological conditions. Uh, These conditions are considered to meet Social Security's definition of disability just right off the bat. Um, and it, it often results, if you have one of these conditions, it um, often results in an expedited approval of your disability benefits. So how do you apply for Social Security disability benefits? Well, you can apply online uh, or you can apply at your local Social Security office and If you are applying because of some type of disability, understand that you will have to provide supporting documentation. So you'll have to give Social Security the ability to view your medical records so that they can, you know, 
assure themselves that you are entitled to the benefits that you are entitled to. Now, the the social when people say, "Oh gosh, I've applied for social security and they keep denying me," chances are they are not talking about uh, retirement, social security. Um, that you receive at the age of 62 or older, because you just get that by virtue of your age and how many credits you've paid in. Things really get sticky with the social security disability, um, and it is not unusual for people to be denied um, the first time that they apply for benefits. Uh, it's it's often a struggle sometimes to prove that, you know, not only that you have these conditions, that's not enough. You have to prove that those conditions have been limiting your ability to work in those ways that I, I mentioned before, the walking, sitting, standing, remembering. So if you only have one component, you know, that the Social Security Administration can see, which is, okay, this person has this condition, that's not enough. You need both of those components to get over that hurdle and and establish entitlement to those disabilities. Of course, the exception is if you have one of those compassionate allowance type of conditions, those certain types of cancers, neurological conditions, in which case you should not um, be faced with a fight for your benefits. So once the application is filed, you know, it's, it's, you wait around for a while. It can take an average of about three to six months for an initial uh, decision to be made. And then if once those benefits are um, granted, then, you know, you'll get, you'll get your benefits monthly and the disability benefits come in um, on the first of the, or, or the third day of the month. And the retirement benefits, if what you're getting is social security retirement benefits, those benefits are paid on the second, third, or fourth Wednesdays of the month. And that's just uh, depending on your birthday. So if you need to get an attorney to, um, to be able to secure yourself those social security disability benefits, then that attorney is going to get paid on a contingency fee basis. That means that they don't get paid unless you get paid. And what they get paid is a percentage of what you get paid. And currently that fee is capped at up to 25% of um, the total past benefits due. So that was, we talked a little bit about Social Security retirement and social security disability. Now let's talk a little about social security supplemental income. And people are eligible for um, social security supplemental income or SSI um, if they are an adult or a child with one of, uh, actually one of three things, uh, little or no income, little or no resources, um, and a disability. And he actually, it's, it's not actually just one of those three. It's, you really have to have all of those three. So little or no income, little or no resources, and a disability. So for little or no income, it's, it's individuals who don't 
earn more than $1,913 from work each month and little or no resources. And that's like the things that you own. So we're looking at real estate, vehicles, uh, any types of trusts or anything that you have. Um, And your resources should not be more than $2,000 for an individual or more than $3,000 for couples. Um, And then the third factor is you have a disability or are age 65 and older. And, you know, we talked a little bit about what a disability is um, for Social Security, and that is it affects your ability to work for a year or more or will result in your death, as in those, you know, in some of those compassionate allowance conditions, or it severely limits your your daily activity. Um, And that's specifically for children with disabilities that severely limits daily activity a bit because, you know, most children are not working or they shouldn't be. (laughs) Um, So the other type of benefit that is available under Social Security are survivor's benefits. And those are benefits paid to widows, widowers, and dependents of eligible workers. Um, This benefit is particularly important for uh, young families with children. So that is the nitty and gritty of it, y'all. I mean, we'll, we'll, in subsequent episodes, we'll go in more detail into some of these, um, especially the uh, social security disability bit. I know a lot of people get hung up on that and it's very discouraging to be disabled and then be denied the benefits that, that you need in that situation. Um, so if you do want some, you know, want some resources, the, the best resource would be the Social Security Administration's website, um, and that is www.ssa.gov. And I will have that link also on my firm's website. And if you feel that, you know, you've been denied once, you really just need these benefits, you need some help, you need some guidance through the process, well, here's the plug. Uh, If you're in Washington State and you have a Social Security issue, please reach out to us here at Atlas Law and let us know how we can take the weight off of your shoulders. All right, this wouldn't be a legal podcast without a legal disclaimer, y'all. So remember, seek legal counsel for your specific situation and in your specific jurisdiction. Thank you all for listening. And remember, if you don't get the system, the system is going to get you. See y'all next time.